Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. He's been all the news today in a race that is going to have national, if not international, attention. He is Sheriff Mark Lamb, Sheriff of Pinal County. I've known the sheriff for some time. We actually served on a commission or a committee together last year. Sheriff, welcome to the show. Congratulations on your big announcement today. You are running for the U.S. Senate, sir. Yes? Yes, yes sir. Thank you, Seth. I'm happy to be here, and it's been an exciting day. But yes, uh, Threw my proverbial hat in the ring for this job. Yeah, it's a it's a great hat, by the way. Make sure and grab it back before the end of the day. We like you in that the hat, sir. That. <laughs> we like you in that hat. You know, Sheriff, um, before we get into some of the issues you're running on, I looked at your ad today. I watched your ad today, sent it around. It's a great, well-done ad. The end of last year, the state of Arizona's heart bled with you and your family. Couldn't imagine the kind of tragedy you uh your family went through you you go right to it you talk about it right up front in your ad and as part of the inspiration for your run you want to say something about that sir yeah first and foremost i want to say thank you to you and all your listeners and our community the state of arizona and frankly across this country we just were overwhelmed by the amount of support and prayers that we received during that tough time when we lost our son and our granddaughter and as you can see i mean we're we're passionate, not just for their lives, but, uh, you know, my son was a recovering addict, had been clean for almost two years, and and um, I just hate to see other families go through it, and I look at the landscape here in Arizona, and I realize not just that issue, but so many other issues. Arizona, honestly, just needs a proven conservative fighter that, that's going to stand up for the people of Arizona and represent the things which we love, which are God, family, freedom. This race is going to be one of the most ra- watched races, as I mentioned. You have uh, likely an independent running for re-election. You have definitely a Democrat. I don't know if this primary or your sense of this primary on the Republican side is going to have any other entrance into it. But talk about how you see the path to victory, given any of those or both of those scenarios, I suppose, sir. You know, I've been successful in, in two elections as the sheriff for Pinal County. And what I've learned is I just focus on the work that has to be done. I focus on what the needs of the people are. What are those kitchen table items that they're talking about every night, which are obviously the economy. I just I paid $5 for gas yesterday yeah. uh, per gallon. I mean, it's that, that that's we can't keep going in this direction. And Arizona families are feeling it more and more every day. Um, we've got the border crisis. We've got human trafficking at an all-time high. We've got fentanyl poisonings and fentanyl coming into this country at an all-time high. We've got the, t- the deterioration of the rule of law. We've got our constitutional rights being encroached by government overreach. I mean, there's just so much. And I want to focus on those issues because I think that's what the people of Arizona expect from me. And so um, I'm going to run my race focused on 
being that proven conservative fighter for the people of Arizona. And you're a plain spoken person too. You're 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 very literate. You've written some books and but I mean you, you have a way of communicating that people resonate to. It is a sad commentary on our state, on our the state of our nation, really. You're running for a, a federal office, which is important here to note, because yeah, you talked about the fentanyl poisoning problem. I would venture to say three to four years ago that was not a kitchen table topic. Uh, it is now. Unfortunately, it is now because I don't know a family that doesn't either have a problem within it itself or know of another one that does. I just don't know of this. I, I have never seen anything like it. I think this country has raised too much of a white flag, yes, on the supply side of this, but also on the prevention messaging. As you know, I've been so uh, heavily uh, involved in that side of it. Talk a little bit about the drug problem and, and in America and, and how this has tragically become now a kitchen table issue and how we can get it off the kitchen table. And you're so right, Seth. Three to four years ago, I was out talking about fentanyl. And I was I was warning them. No one knew what you were talking. Yeah, no one knew. No one knew what you were talking. And nobody about. knew. Right, I would have right. people raise hand if they, they knew what fentanyl was, right. and hardly anybody raised hand. And I said, this will be an epidemic and a scourge on our society. And and sadly, I was proven right. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, over the last two years, just in our county alone, we've seen a six hundred and ten percent increase. Yeah in fentanyl uh, seizures in our county. And let me give you a really sad uh, uh, statistic. In 2021, we lost 44 children to fentanyl poisoning. Seven were under the age of one. Right, right. And and we should be just honestly ashamed of ourselves. And like you said, every family is being affected. My family was affected. And uh, look, I've been the proven fighter for this. I have been standing up when nobody knew about it and I continue to fight for it and for the next for as long as I'm the sheriff until I finish my term I'm going to continue to fight for it and hopefully take that same fight right to Washington DC as a senator for the people of Arizona good I hope people understand the 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 importance of 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 that number of young children in Arizona who have died from it in just one year alone more children have died from drug overdoses than in three years of COVID I I just you know this country knows how to put out a message for example on COVID when it cares about a public health issue this is a public health issue but you're also a law enforcement expert and you know how much crime is derived from this I'm not just talking about crimes that involve people robbing others for money for drugs, but how drugs fuel the criminal element. Almost all violent crimes, you're going to find someone who's involved in using using these dangerous and illegal substances. If you want to get a handle on the crime problem, you want to get a handle on this problem too, don't you, Sheriff? Yeah. We, as a country, we've been reactive. We haven't right. been proactive. Right. We've been reactive to all these situations. And honestly, that's being led by our elected officials in Washington, D.C., and, and to some extent on a state level. You know, we have we've been uh, let down. They're not addressing the issues. They're reacting to them. And uh, that's causing increases of crime, increases of fentanyl. Eighty five percent of the people that are in my jail are there for drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. So clearly it has an impact yep. on behavior. Yep. And, and the longer we wait to get on top of it, the harder it's going to be for us to really combat it. Um, and you cannot mop the bathroom floor until you turn off the faucet. Right. Um, so we've got to turn off the faucet. And that starts right there by securing our southern border. We're talking to Sheriff Lamb. SheriffLambForSenate.com is his website, SheriffLambForSenate.com, if you want to learn more about him or help him out. We're going through a, 
I guess, a national political conversation, Sheriff, about whether conservatives have the right message or should even be talking about the issue of life. You put it right there on your website as one of your priorities, defending life. What's your message to fellow Republicans and fellow conservatives about defense, the defense of life, sir? Look, I'm, I'm very pro-life, and I, I know I don't hide that. I, I, I'm, I'm honored to be pro-life, and uh, I do the best I can to fight for every life, but especially those of our children. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I think too, people seem to, at least in our party, feel that it's the kind of issue that uh, it tends to turn off voters. I got to tell you, I read it a different way. It seems to me candidates, you have, for example, J.D. Vance or even Brian Kemp, those that don't shy away from it, those that don't cower from defense of vulnerable life, they do just fine. They do just fine. I, I think there's this effort within conservative or Republican thinkdom thinkdom, if that's a word, sir, that says, you know, stay away from it, stay away from it. I don't think people want candidates to stay away from issues. Um, Churchill once said it's hard to look up to a man when his ear is to the ground. And and and, and, and you've always seemed to me someone who just doesn't shy away from an issue. You go right to it. Yep. You know, look, I, I, I want the endorsement of the people of Arizona, but don't make no mistake about it. I want God's endorsement first and foremost. And and I believe in these strongly, these things strongly, and I always have. And uh, no matter the outcome, I want people to know who I am as a man and what I stand for. And I think that you're right. I think that if voters are hungry for authentic people who will tell us who they are and let us choose if we want to vote for them. And I hope to be that proven conservative candidate for the for the people of Arizona. Sheriff Lamb, uh, thank you also on your website for talking about and putting up the issues involving China and national security. These are fast becoming kitchen table issues, too. Talk to us a little bit about your concerns regarding China and national security. Yeah, my concerns are the weakness at the Washington, D.C. level. Look, our enemies don't fear us and our friends don't respect us anymore. And that starts right at the White House and trickles down through Washington, D.C., um, we need to be strong on defense. I believe what Ronald Reagan said that you achieve peace through strength. I believe that as a law enforcement guy. I believe in proactivity. Um, and I think that when you enforce the rule of law and hold people accountable, um, we have a much better society. But I think that weakness is it started in Afghanistan. Yeah. It continued on the southern border being left wide open. Yeah. It allowed it continued with Russia invading Ukraine, which wouldn't have happened under President Trump. And now it's continuing where China is now encroaching on Taiwan. Um, We have got to get back to being that strong America that we used to be. And to do that, we're going to need guys who understand that, what it's like to be tough and what it's like to understand how we can achieve peace. Some of us kind of um, lament the uh, and have written and read about, you know, the, the notion that the American century is over. You, you listen to the litany you just recited, sir. It almost sounds as if the Democrats don't want another American century. It almost sounds like they're they're not so much uh, soft on communism as they are soft on America. Don't you kind of get that sense once in a while? You know, the sense I get is when I go around and talk to people, I just feel like the American people have feel abandoned. Yeah. They feel like their government has left them out to dry, that they no longer are looking out for their best interests, that they no longer are following the precepts of the con- of the uh, preamble to the Constitution of establishing justice, ensuring domestic tranquility, providing for a common defense, 
I just feel like the people see that, they feel it, and they want representatives that understand that I, re- I, I will serve them and that understand that we've got to protect the Constitution and the American way of life. And uh, that's why um, we need proven conservative fighters to do that. Sheriff Mark Lamb, I know it's a busy day for you, your first day, your announcement for the race. It's a delight to have you with us. It's a delight to be talking with you, and uh, hopefully you'll keep us uh, updated along the way. Sheriff Lamb for Senate.com is his website, Sheriff Lamb for Senate. Godspeed, Mark Lamb. Thank you, Seth. Talk to you later. You betcha. Absolutely. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. You know, I was thinking um, about uh, just after the interview with Mark Lamb there, I was just thinking a little bit about various elections that we've gone through over the past 20 years uh, where Republicans have perhaps not done as good a job as they should have in running candidates in the expertise of that which ails us most. So, uh, for example, after the 9-11 attacks, I remember Hugh Hewitt predicted a whole slew of, um, of, of, uh, of people who had joined the military or people who had served in the military would be running for office and be representing the Republican Party and helping us at a political level in the war against terror or the war on terror, as it was then called. And some did. Some get, did. You, ha- you have certain wages from that. Tom Cotton might be the most well-known of them. Ron DeSantis, I think, too, probably one of the most well-known of them. You had, so you had some of that. But then we got into the health care debate, and we didn't get enough physicians running for office. We got a few. We got a few, but not enough. And when you think a little bit, I mean, obviously there's other water that has passed under the bridges since Obamacare. But when you think about the last couple few years, um, issues having to do with race, some of the stuff we were talking about with Mark Bauerlein, and maybe I'll return to that in a few moments. Um, But one of the things is law enforcement. Law enforcement. There has been a something like two and a half, three year tear against the blue police and You know, we find ourselves kind of in an odd position, don't we, when we see cities going to absolute ruin, cities like Chicago, and then they double down on it or double down on it negatively by taking a Lori Lightfoot, taking her out of office and running someone and putting someone in office even far more socialist and left wing than her. You are seeing these problems in San Francisco. They're not learning any lessons. What was it? A huge, one of the main um, Whole Foods itself, a, a liberal company, you know, had to shut down, shut its doors in San Francisco. Why? Because it couldn't. They weren't worried about. Their press release was interesting. It wasn't about protecting their customers. They couldn't protect their employees from people who were pretending to be customers. Um, and 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 so when you see someone with a law enforcement background who understands these issues, someone like a Mark Lamb, I'm glad to see he enters the race. 
um, at, with that expertise, because I think our party needs that in, 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 in our political fields. I think we need to address these social and cultural problems with political solutions. Uh, the left certainly thinks that. They dominate the field. And so, you know, it would be great to see more law enforcement and more police running. We find ourselves in an odd kind of position on this, too, because we're, we're beginning to notice a real divide, aren't we, between local law enforcement and what's going on at the federal level, what we read about in the Department of Justice or the FBI. Go back to my monologue on some of that if you want, but I, I don't you don't need me to tell you about the problems with the FBI because we are inclined to support these things. You know, we, we have these romantic views of an FBI, perhaps under a J. Edgar Hoover or something. People wanted to be G-men, you know, people people thought that the FBI was what we saw on TV and in the and in, 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 in the drama shows. And it turns out anything and everything is subject to being politicized or politicalized. And even the FBI has been that. Uh, even our Defense Department has been that. I was talking to someone today uh, who was saying, well, you know, did the Department of Defense and all these woke things, the brochures and the classes they're putting out and the seminars they're taking on issues having to do from transgender to mixed barracks, et cetera, et cetera, do, do they really have a choice? You know, doesn't the legal culture kind of force them there? Well, not necessarily. These institutions were always supposed to be separate and apart from the civilian. They always there's a uniform code, uniform code of military justice, for instance. They have different rules of laws that apply. They have different courts. They have different standards, and that's I think one of the concerns that we have is the standards that we used to think of in the military, or for that matter, the FBI, or for too much of the rest of America. Um, those separate, distinctive, and shall we say better standards, better standards, they've been collapsed and they have collapsed and they've become part of the common coin of the realm. They've become common standards. There was nothing that mandated the DOD to become the sociology department of Harvard University and there was nothing that mandated the FBI become an ad adjunct of the Democratic National Committee. Or, you know, it's it's um, it's shock troops of the Democratic National Committee. But it did happen because we weren't taking the tonic, I suppose, or the medicine of liberalism and leftism as seriously as they took it. It is strong stuff. It is strong medicine. The left look at what they've done. Look at what I just said. They got the FBI. This is the old J. Edgar Hoover G-Men institution. They got the FBI and they've got the Department of Defense, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. Uh, who am I leaving out? I don't mean to. Um, they, 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 they have penetrated these institutions and not only have they penetrated them, as we're learning with the FBI, they saturated them. They saturated them. We need to send in the sponges. I'm Seth Liebson and we'll be right back.
A warning, groupthink can prevent you from seeing the obvious. In 2008, groupthink remained in denial when it was obvious that mortgage-backed securities filled with subprime loans were a house of cards. Midas Gold Group has been telling people the obvious for years. A system of currency built on debt is not stable. It is not real. Most importantly, they've said the banking system is unstable and treasuries are not risk-free. Abandon the groupthink of mainstream media and bankers and get a different perspective from Midas Gold Group. Wise diversification involves having money outside of the banking system. Call veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail. Check them out, MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000, Midas Gold Group. Gold you can hold, your vault of confidence. You know, in thinking about what we were just talking about, the standards, the different standards, the different ethics that uh, that have gotten us uh, the achievement of having something, as I was talking to Mark Bauerlein in the previous hour, like a, an American century, the last century, it is, I think, eminently true what I also said with Mark, which is that if you listen to the Democrats today, whether it's their blasé attitude towards China or whether it's their antagonism towards notions of American greatness or when they say the quiet part out loud like America was never that great, when you listen to them, you know, the problem – with the Democrats in the 60s, in the 70s, was the refrain that they are soft on communism. And I think I'm pretty much right in saying, forget that for now. They're not soft on communism. They've embraced it. Um, they're soft on America. That That's what has become of the Democratic Party, a party that was once led by war heroes. I mean, you know, say what you want about liberals like George McGovern. He was a war hero. He had no compunction about fighting for America. John Kennedy, war hero. I mean, we can, we can go through a list of a lot of them. Um, and, and yet we've come to a place where it seems, I don't know, quaint or it seems unsophisticated. I suppose that's the word I want. Excuse me, unsophisticated to stand up for America because somehow we have this own version of our own Stockholm Syndrome when the critique of America was that we were too arrogant on the world stage or perhaps uh, too much of a big foot in telling Europe what to do. This all led to something that had a lot of our jaws on the floor in 2009. You recall it? It was when Barack Obama's Excuse me. When Barack Obama went abroad and engaged on his engaged in what we then called his apology tour, and he went to ally after ally, talking about how yes, in the past America has been uh, too arrogant. America uh, has been too headstrong, and argue that, debate that, however you want. I'm sure it went over very well in the precincts of Germany and. France and other parts of Europe and the Middle East. So debate that as you want. But ask yourself this question, as America has retreated and receded, has the world become a better, safer place? 
has there been less civilizational abuse by other countries? Has there been less invasions by tyrants of non-tyrannies or even democracies or even countries trying to become liberal democracies? Has there been less spread of the tyranny that you ex- that you see from Marxist-Leninist Maoism? Since America has gone on the retreat, has freedom expanded in the world or has it contracted? That's not a theoretical question. You can actually answer it. It has contracted. It has contracted over the last, oh, 15 years, 15, 20 years or so. I, I, I'm not sure if I would quote exactly how Dennis Prager puts it, that America should be the world's policeman. But the world does need a police force. And you do have to ask yourself, because nature abhors a vacuum and tyrannies love them, as Spinoza put it, you do have to ask yourself, if America's not going to fill these vacuums of leadership and leading, who is? Who is? Who will? Well, you've seen that vacuum being filled. You've seen it being filled by China. You're seeing it being filled by Russia. You're seeing it being filled by the fact that America is not being spoken of as the superpower it once was, if a superpower at all. And, well, I show you the times. How do you think the administration is doing, not just on what we were speaking of, but just the economy itself with the bank failures and the stock market's volatility? recession possibly on the horizon. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Fed or the stock market? An investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Think about that. It's a portfolio where your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. It's a secure collateralized portfolio offered up by my friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I have. I've been there a lot. I can tell you that you will not get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust them, and you can too. They are a due diligence-approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. If I can go back a little bit to some of this importance of the West and this importance of the representation of the West by America, which is what we were talking about really in the last two segments. You know, it's not just America as a country. It's um, America as fueled and informed by the very Western ethics that Dr. Bauerlein and I were talking about in the second hour. One of the things, we only had a brief uh, visit or a two-brief visit. One of the things I wanted to bring up with him was an interview he recently gave in the Christian Science Monitor. Dr. Bauerlein is one of these uh, academics who uh, Governor DeSantis put on the board of trustees at the new school in Florida to try and clean that place up, and they're doing a pretty good job over there. But one of the things in this interview Dr. Bauerlein had 
with the Christian Science Monitor was a discussion um, about what we used to call the marketplace of ideas. Is that a phrase you remember hearing about before, the marketplace of ideas? And what they have Dr. Bauerlein saying in that interview is that universities used to be, schools used to be marketplaces of ideas. Marketplaces in the sense that the market offered almost, the market of the school, the market of the university, offered almost any idea that could be thought of to be investigated and to be taught. And that, obviously, a wise, a smart, an intellectual, a well-informed population or citizenry was a good thing. And what has happened, obviously, with the colleges and schools, it's one of the things we fight about at these school board elections and school board meetings, is that one side has decided to remove, I don't know, half the items from the marketplace, half the things that are for sale. That is to say, the Western things. The funny thing about it is, isn't it? The funny thing about it is this. These colleges and universities or schools that had conservatives in them when they once did, had conservative professors in them when they once did, they had no problem. They had no compunction with people who specialized in all these anti-Western doctrines or all these anti-Western philosophies. It was fine. It was just fine. They believed that Students should learn as much as they can about everything they can. Why wouldn't you want to? Conservatives believed that. And I suppose they did so with a little bit of a conscience about the fact that, but once you saw what was really going on in these other societies or these other philosophies, that you would buy what the conservatives were selling. You would buy what the traditionalists were selling. You would understand that there's something important to learn from Western civilization about the belief in human rights and the dignity of man and the inviability of conscience. And you would choose that. And you would choose that. So what the left did was they just got rid of those items. That's what it meant to say, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go. Now, that phrase, the marketplace of ideas, it has an interesting history to it, or etiology, if you will. It comes from a rather progressive notion, certainly a rather progressive scholar. Many of you may have heard of, or you may have heard me quote a Supreme Court Justice, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., Um He was the Supreme Court justice who, in a dissenting opinion, gave us that phraseology. He wrote in that opinion, 1919, I believe, Abrams, U.S. v. Abrams, um, the best test of truth is the power of the thought to get accepted, to get itself accepted in the competition of the market. The best test of truth is the power of the thought to get itself accepted in the competition of the market, and that truth is the only ground upon which their wishes, citizens' wishes safely, can be carried out. That was what the idea behind most of the university 
and most of teaching was. Truth that comes out of the competition of the market. Now, the reason you see the progressivism there and the reason I was never fully on board with that construction of Oliver Wendell Holmes is that is not truly the best test of truth. The best test of truth is not simply its ability to be accepted in the market. It's not simply the issue of popularity. Truth is not based on the popular. And that's why I've always thought the marketplace of ideas as a notion in of itself was a little bit limited, a little bit stinted, if you will. But my gosh, given what's going on at the colleges and on the universities and, and our campuses, I'll take it. I'll go back to the market, even though I don't think it's the best test. I'd just like us to be able to sell our wares. As I close out, I'll just say this is the annoying irony of the campaign that got rid of Western civilization, what we were just talking about in the previous segment and what I was talking about with Mark Bauerlein. Western civilization is – Western philosophy is the civilization of philosophy that was inquisitive about other cultures and other societies. It is interesting that the importation, isn't it, the importation of these alien philosophies and sometimes noxious alien philosophies came about through the very inquisitiveness of Western civ, which is what the left and the progressives and Marxists want to get rid of. But you know what? You don't really appreciate other philosophies and other cultures without some kind of knowledge, if not a thorough knowledge, of your own. In other words, there was a philosopher once, very popular in the, I think, 40s and 50s, Arthur Murray, who said, We do not understand the ideals of other cultures better by misunderstanding our own or adequately enrich an intercultural synthesis by offering to it anything less than the best that we have. Well, we're not giving ourselves the best that we have. We're not giving our students the best that we have, and we are giving them a misunderstanding of their own society, their own culture, and all that has made us a success up until now. You can get tired of me talking about how 50% of our high school students, fully half of our high school students, get an F in our own American history. But before you fully get mad at me for repeating it so much, just remember that C.S. Lewis said it is through miseducation of youth that leads to the best opportunities to propagandize adults. And we've been propagandized. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon here with us. Appreciate you so much. I am Seth Leapson. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class is dismissed.